Welcome to the discussion, Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Errol Weiss, the Chief Security Officer of the Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center, or HISAC. To begin the conversation, I asked Weiss to give an overview of the HISAC's working relationship with the federal government on health IT. The sector, in fact, even with partners with HHS and some other federal agencies, we published a number of documents about the overall threat landscape broadly facing the healthcare sector. And it's going to really kind of fall into the five different areas of like email phishing, ransomware, loss or theft of data, insider threat, and then the medical device attacks, which can impact patient safety. So those are pretty much the major areas that I'd say we're focused on today. Yeah. And just drilling down into those kind of one by one, Errol, can you give me a better sense of what kind of recommendations you guys have over at the HISAC when it comes to email phishing? So again, this is where um, the Health Sector Coordinating Council has created a number of documents around this that from the HISAC perspective, a lot of times when we're pushing out alerts and advisories, we end up ultimately providing these recommendations or a summary of the recommendations in in the countermeasures and controls that that we're pushing out. On the email side, I'd say, you know, we're providing recommendations about email protection systems. So, So how should people configure their email systems to even prevent malicious emails from reaching their internal users? And then also working with those organizations to provide training and awareness and ideas around how to educate the end users to avoid clicking on those links uh, where possible. So it's kind of a twofold scenario there. So one, prevent it technically from being delivered. And number two, try to get the users a little bit more education awareness on what makes a phishing email and how to avoid clicking on those kinds of things. And the documentation that we've put together covers everything in addition to that, including endpoint protection and access management, data protection, loss prevention, asset management, network management, all of those areas to try to help the organization secure their environment. Right, right. And you had mentioned medical device security. I imagine these days with really the rise of the Internet of Things and more Internet-connected devices, I imagine the threat landscape and really the surface area that is higher now than it's ever been. Errol, general thoughts there of really what some of the threats are to medical device security. Yeah, there's certainly been a lot of attention about some of the vulnerabilities and issues that medical devices are vulnerable to. And I'd say that this classic example from uh, 2015, where one of the security researchers who was using uh, an infusion pump because he's got, uh, you know, he needs insulin, decided to take a look at the security of the device and wrote up a whole paper on the security issues of the infusion pump that was helping to keep him alive and demonstrated the issues with that device as well. The, the interesting thing from the HISAC perspective is that in our membership, we bring both sides of the table together to work on these problems. And so what I mean by that is we've got uh, medical device manufacturers who are HISAC members, and then we also have the healthcare delivery organizations like the hospitals, doctors, physicians, clinics, et cetera, who are also members. And when there's a uh, security issue with a medical device and those organizations have to 
patch those devices or have to deal with the security ramifications of those devices on their networks, you know, certainly there's some natural tensions between the medical device manufacturers and those healthcare delivery organizations on how to resolve those issues. So we've got some really interesting work that's been happening in these special interest groups bringing, like I said, both sides to the table to try to work together and deal with those issues. You know, I'd say one of the recent examples is where one of the security researchers from the firm Armis had published what was called Urgent 11 at the time, which was a series of vulnerabilities that impacted many, many, many IoT tech devices, including medical devices. And there were challenges in terms of, you know, how to find those devices on your own network. And then once you did find those, how you were going to secure those and tighten those down. We were able to, like I said, bring the medical device manufacturers who were impacted by those vulnerabilities together with the healthcare delivery organizations to come together to, to put together uh, recommendations on what those countermeasures and controls and effective remediation plans would be in, in those environments. One other thing that I'll, that I'll point out, too, is we've also worked with the medical device manufacturing group to also help try to come up with a more regular means of providing the security disclosures when there is a vulnerability that's discovered in their devices and to try to come up with a more standard way of providing those disclosure notifications and and. Um, and how to publish those. So we're trying to, uh, for example, keep a list of the medical device manufacturer security web pages available off of the HISI page. So we've got sort of an inventory of that there. So it's sort of a convenient way for members to find the security web page for those particular uh, medical device manufacturing firms. And when it comes to the responsible disclosure notification, working with those organizations to gather the appropriate information and make sure it's distributed to the appropriate parties. You know, on the flip side, one of the things that we are seeing is, uh, and very different from my time in the uh, finance sector, is when there is a uh, vulnerability that's published by the manufacturer, sometimes we, we are seeing in the media articles about that medical device, you know, if a hacker had discovered that vulnerability and exploited it, it could have resulted in negative impact to a patient, including death. So they tend to be very sensationalized types of coverage when the manufacturers trying to do the right thing and responsibly disclose the vulnerability and issue patches to that device. So we are working with those manufacturers to try to make sure that they're sort of prepared for that media response if there is something like that when they disclose. Right. I think, Errol, what you're describing there is a pretty common experience with other ISACs as well when it comes to their members certainly sharing that information. That's really the whole point right. of ISACs. But but striking that balance between not wanting to reveal information that is, you know, proprietary to them or making sure that information is disclosed in a way that is productive but, you know, doesn't have any kind of negative impacts for them. How do these members strike this very careful balance between sharing this information and letting other members be aware of the threat, but also making sure that in sharing this information, these members in turn are are not giving too much information away? We see a lot of that happening day in, day out between a majority of the members. I'd say it's one of the main functions that the ISAC and, and the health ISAC serves today with its members is to really be that hub of information sharing. So we do have a number of collaborative tools and online systems where members can share information with each other. And, uh, and I'm seeing everything from indicators of compromise that are being captured by uh, 
members and, and they're sharing that they're actively sharing that information with others to discussing suspected intrusions and other suspected activity and working with each other to uh, to essentially investigate those issues and come to some conclusion about uh, what the potential intent is or maybe even attribution behind that attack and to really understand more about the actor behind those attacks. So, you know, those groups are actively sharing. As I mentioned before, the ISAC is serving kind of as the hub of that. So in a lot of cases, we're able to take some of that pretty raw information that's being shared and put it together with the other member comments that are coming in and put together essentially what I'll call a final polished narrative that we can share with the rest of the membership broadly so that they can all benefit from that shared learning and put it together in a final format that's a little bit more easily consumed by the rest of the membership. My guest today is Errol Weiss, the Chief Security Officer of the Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center, or HISAC. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman, on the discussion Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. Identifying and remediating rapidly evolving cyber threats originating from hacktivists, nation states, or cyber criminals is a time-consuming manual research process. Stay ahead of your attackers with Recorded Future. Recorded Future automates the collection and analysis of threat intelligence and delivers real-time, actionable insights to agencies, driving 63% faster resolution of threats. Find out how at recordedfuture.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the discussion, Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. My guest today is Errol Weiss, the Chief Security Officer of the Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center, or HISAC. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman. Taking a step back here a little bit, you had mentioned the relationship that you guys have with HHS, but could you maybe shed a little bit more light on what that relationship looks like between the ISAC, which is exclusively private sector members, but... Are there other federal agency partners that you guys have? And if you could just describe that relationship a little bit better, uh, I think that'd be very helpful. You know, I'll, I'll say that there's always room for improvement. We've got a, a, a working relationship with HHS and DHS. As you mentioned, the, uh, the membership is primarily private sector type organizations for the vast majority of members that are in there. We do some sharing with HHS and DHS. But I'd say it's a little bit more of the exception than the rule. And I think both sides of the equation are really looking at ways that we can improve upon that. There's also a bit of sharing when it comes to working on things like even like victim notification. So this is kind of an interesting problem that we've got where we may discover through one of our sources or intelligence partners that, let's say, for example, that there's information being sold on the underground or a criminal actor uh, is purporting to have access to a network that he's selling or auctioning off to the highest bidder. And there are certainly times when we can tell who the victim is by some of the information that's being shared by the bad guy. And when we can figure out who that victim is, we will provide to the best of our abilities notification to that organization that they're being targeted by some malicious actor. This is a good case where a lot of times we are partnering with HHS to do that victim notification together so that uh, we've got, it's always a very difficult phone call or email to make, right? Because people get that message and their first reaction normally is disbelief. They don't believe who's on the other end of the call. They don't believe that their network's vulnerable. They don't understand where the information came from. 
So it's, um, I will say we enjoy the partnership with HHS when they can help with that very difficult conversation and process and trying to get to the organization and provide them with that information. So, you know, to, to uh, my point there really being that, you know, we're trying to do the right thing and getting that information to that victim organization to help protect them because, you know, we take the security of the entire um, healthcare ecosystem seriously and we don't want to see anyone be a victim. So that's an interesting case study of that partnership really playing out when it comes to, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, PII, personally identifiable information. But circling back to some points we made earlier, how does that relationship or rather, how does that partnership break down with um, with some other cases like uh, supply chain management? You know, what kind of vulnerabilities are are baked into some of these devices when they when they come out of the factories and when they're right. when they're assembled? How does how does that play out, really? Yeah, I think that's uh, you know it's a good time to, to talk a little about a little bit about even the uh, sector coordinating council. You know, HHS serves as the sector agency for the healthcare sector. And, you know, the way that uh, I would explain the difference between the sector coordinating council and the ISAC is that the ISAC tends to be very tactical, very uh, reactive to the day's events, right? We're sharing information about threats and incidents and getting that out to the membership and, and time is of the essence there for us. From the sector coordinating council standpoint, they are much more strategic and looking long term, long range about the changing threatscape to the sector and what we may need to do to get a better handle on it, and maybe even what policy or what even regulation changes or new policy or new regulations should we be advocating to help improve the sector resilience and cybersecurity issues of the sector. And so, uh, you know, I'll give you just you know, an example or two where, you know, we may be looking at at a policy change to help improve the ability of organizations to share information, let's say within the sector, or maybe we're looking at some technology investment to help us with the problem of ransomware. That seems to be a big issue for the healthcare sector. So those could be good long-term issues for the sector coordinating council to work on. And obviously from, from the ISAC standpoint, you know, I've got a vested interest in helping out with some of those efforts to, to either, you know, help with by demonstrating what challenges and problems we're facing today. You know, here's a good example where HHS has been helping with some of the long-term issues associated with supply chain management and looking at, like even uh, working with um, FDA has been very uh, vocal about this and and even making very good progress in this. Uh, I think they call it the bill of materials. So the idea is that that within that product that that the manufacturers have a responsibility to disclose the software, the details behind the software modules, let's say, that are being used in that product, so that down the road, if a vulnerability comes out, that way that people have a better, have more transparency into what's behind that product, so they they could potentially know if there's a vulnerability inside the details of that. So I think you know it's a good example to me of how. The government's been influential in those areas to help with issues like that. Circling back a little bit to what you had talked about regarding these long-term threats from the the healthcare coordinating council, if you if we could circle back a little bit to um, some of the comments about ransomware, where does that stand in kind of the uh, the hierarchy of severe threats that that you're looking at? I certainly feel that the ransomware has been successful in attacking victims 
who are not up to date on security and may not have adequate investment placed in cybersecurity or may not have the resources to understand what the risks are and, and what issues like, you know, how to prevent problems from ransomware to, to start with. I think that, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the value propositions here from the ISAC is, is to really help raise awareness about what these threats are and some of the very, I'll say, simple things that some organizations can do to help prevent themselves from even becoming a victim in the first place. So, um, you know, for us as an ISAC, I think we've got a lot of room to grow on the membership side. And I'm hoping that by way of that growth and the adoption of the HISAC more broadly will help raise awareness of threats like ransomware and be able to help organizations from becoming a victim in the first place. My guest today is Errol Weiss, the Chief Security Officer of the Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center, or HISAC. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman, on the discussion Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. Identifying and remediating rapidly evolving cyber threats originating from hacktivists, nation states, or cyber criminals is a time-consuming manual research process. Stay ahead of your attackers with Recorded Future. Recorded Future automates the collection and analysis of threat intelligence and delivers real-time, actionable insights to agencies, driving 63% faster resolution of threats. Find out how at recordedfuture.com slash public sector. Welcome back to the discussion, Combating Healthcare Data Breaches with Intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network. My guest today is Errol Weiss, the Chief Security Officer of the Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center, or HISAC. I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman. Changing gears here a little bit, as far as cyber trends that you guys are tracking or, or paying attention to, is there anything new or noteworthy that you guys are keeping an eye on that may have not been an issue? Are there any new challenges or trends that we should keep an eye on in the years ahead? I'm, I'm living day to day on the tactical side. So I know, like, for example, the last month or so, we, we've been dealing with the you know, increased tension from the, the uh, hostilities between the U.S. and Iran, you know, more ransomware remote access Trojans, malicious emails constantly. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier about third party. And, you know, certainly the third party is another issue for us. And I saw plenty of that when I was in the finance sector. But, you know, I'd say it still remains a big issue where, you know, malicious actors are going after, for example, um, third party service providers or even managed service providers who have access to a whole bunch of clients. And so they get into one of those service providers and they have access to all kinds of different companies. You know, we certainly still see issues like that, even within the healthcare sector. I guess maybe on a related note, one of the trends that we've been following, certainly with with the government side of things, is the big migration to electronic health records. And, you know, certainly from an opportunity side of things, the idea is to, to build infrastructure that is more interoperable. But as far as the threat landscape, I imagine that also kind of increases the uh, risk to those systems as well. No, I think it does. I think, uh, you know, the whole digitalization of the medical area, you know, you mentioned medical records, and I'm thinking even about things like remote uh, diagnosing or remote physician. You know, certainly there's the, the patient medical records is one thing, but just even the utilization of technology where you may have a um, physician who's looking at a medical image remotely to help provide a diagnosis. Is that image being secured properly? Is, that, is the rest of that patient's information being secured properly? And so those are certainly some of the challenges. There was um, articles within the last few months about, I think it's 
I think I think there the orders in the millions of medical images that have been found on the internet. So medical images, patient information. One of the opportunities as a sector that we've got here is is to is to provide better authentication of the end users. I know a lot of organizations are certainly I don't want to say struggling with that, but just dealing with the complexities of it. And you know we don't have a very interoperable way to authenticate people. So say, for example, you know, you go to your bank, you have to log into your bank. You go into your medical insurance company, you have to log into that using a different set of credentials. And then I would liken it to where, where I'm sure you've seen you can use uh, Google or Facebook to log into non-Google or non-Facebook sites. So you know, where are we with providing that kind of authentication capability to end users, you know, especially in the medical field or, you know, where, where, where the consumers of that information are the patients of these various physicians, healthcare delivery organizations and insurance companies, how do we make that process go smoother? And, you know, maybe that would help with some of these um, data breaches and disclosures that are happening almost every day. One of those long-term things that uh, you'd asked me about earlier, maybe, you know, maybe that's one of those things that, um, that, that, that we could really use in this sector. To your point about this being more of a long-term issue, you know, as far as what you see as potential remedies on this identity management issue, is there an easy two-factor authentication solution that you're seeing, or is it more of a zero-trust model where, you know, there are perhaps different layers of authentication based on based on the security of the data? I don't think it's a technology problem. I think it's a people process problem. Um, I think there's phenomenal technology. There's some really great authentication, identification tools and technology that's out there today. There's two-factor, multi-factor. There's the work that the FIDO Alliance has done with with adding that hardware component to this, this process. There's versions of it that are probably embedded in your cell phone today. I mean, I think there's I think there's wonderful technology and hardware available today. It's just how I, I think. Like I, I go back to the people problem. I think it's I think we need to get agreement that this is going to be the way that we're going to go. This is the standard that we're going to use, and this is the uh, policy and the process that we're shooting for. So I think you know there's an opportunity where where do do we get the government to regulate that? Do we get private sector to jump in to offer a solution to that before it gets regulated? You know, I don't know. I don't know which, which is the right way to go, but I think we've got the pieces of the puzzle that we need. We just need somebody to help put all that together and make it available. Right. Well, I think that's a, a fairly good note to end on here, Errol. But before we do close up, is there anything topic-wise that you really wanted to touch on that I anything to ask you about? Uh, as we were going kind of down those different topics, um, I'll go back to the HHS-HISAC partnership. I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think we, you know, there's always room for improvement. I've seen some really great additions in the last year that I've been uh, with HISAC. We've been doing some, like I'll say, analyst exchange where we've got an analyst sitting in their um, security operations center spaces, and we're talking about doing more of that in 2020. And then I think uh, the other thing for Health ISAC, uh, going into 2020 is just is more on the uh, membership growth and the international expansion of uh, those members. So we'll see more of that happening next, this year as well. I'd like to thank today's guest, Errol Weiss, the Chief Security Officer of the Health Information Sharing and Analysis Center, or HISAC. 
I'm your moderator, Jory Heckman, and you're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Recorded Future. Thank you for listening to the discussion combating healthcare data breaches with intelligence, sponsored by Recorded Future on Federal News Network.